Hi, welcome to Dreams Recycled Expert Series. I am fortunate enough today to be here with Dave Roberts, who is the founder of the Roberts Family Law Firm here in Orlando. He services most of Florida, and we're excited to have you. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hi, Tiffany. It's good to be here. Well, we're glad you came because, you know, unfortunately for us, everyone in this community, we're somewhere in the divorce process, whether it's separated, whether it's um, divorce process or divorced, or maybe we might need more legal services. We really are kind of reliant a lot on legal people such as yourself. And so the first question, which I always get asked, how do you find a good lawyer, right? Because that's how it starts. You tell your partner you want a divorce, and then what do you do? That's a great question, and that's one that I get asked a lot, even my own office. I think that most people start, obviously, with the internet. Um, it's better, probably, to get um, a combination of that, plus perhaps you know some corroboration by a friend or family member that knows the attorney. But these days, the way things are, a lot of people don't have the benefit of a referral, so they go to the internet and they see some things there that are true and some maybe that aren't true that are contrived. So I think that actually going to the office of the attorney and looking at some other additional information that can sort of uh, hopefully comport with whatever presentation that the attorney makes on their website is the most useful thing to do. So for example, just a couple of uh, quick tips, uh, for prospective clients, anyone in, in this dilemma, of course, would be that you look at the office because that's much indicative of what's going on in an attorney's mind, uh, how, or, how he or she runs the office, how much staff do they have, um, are they working just with their mom answering the phones, or do they have a dedicated receptionist because you want that for communication's sake, um, and then what do they say during, uh, during the session? It's important to find out have they ever gone to trial? Because some attorneys haven't. Uh, do they have um, vast trial experience? Do they look you in the eye? Can they speak? How do they shake your hand? All of the old uh, tired truisms that we know to be important when we grow up, those are things that you want to do to actually judge your attorney. In addition yeah. to that, I'm sorry, in addition to that, I think it's important to meet with some of the ancillary staff in the office to determine if they have a sense of purpose if um, they can speak well, how are they dressed, and then put the attorney on the spot and ask them exactly what uh, they've done in the field. Because just like with a medical professional, you can't assume that they've actually done that surgery a hundred times. Maybe it's their first time and that's extremely common. Well, it is, right? And, and unfortunately, the internet is like the wild, wild west. He who has a lot of money or really tech savvy can make themselves show up in the, as the best, or, you know, best lawyer in their town. And really, they're one of the worst. And I think what you say is true. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time one of our users has said, you know, I hired a lawyer, but I haven't, he hasn't or she hasn't responded to me in three weeks, right? because they don't have the staff, they don't have the communication, they don't have the team to assist. So I think that what you're saying is obviously true and a good point, like you have to look at what you're getting for the money, right? Indeed. Okay, so let's say you now, you've got this lawyer. Now what are the differences? So there's a collaborative lawyer, a regular lawyer, and then a mediator. So can you explain what the difference is between those three? Absolutely, and this is an area where there's a lot of misinformation 
Um, just like in medical field, the legal field is um, very much represented online and social media, but a lot of the truisms that we deal with are not, are not really the same as people see when they go to these sources. So um, a mediator is a professional that helps two parties in a divorce come to some type of negotiated settlement, probably with some compromise being made on both sides. And that's a tool that attorneys will use during the pendency of the case, probably at the beginning before too much money is spent on litigation to try to help them come to some common ground where they can uh, get their case done without going through expensive litigation. So that's just merely a tool that we use, and it's usually an attorney, but not always. Mm -hmm. Some counties require it to be an attorney, some don't, but it usually is an attorney that has family law experience at some point in their career. Um, collaborative law is sort of a cottage industry that developed over the years, and the idea, the premise behind that is why don't we get a bunch of legal professionals together for every case? It's like, imagine a, a train going down this very specific track with a lot of different cars on it, and you have, for example, a forensic psychologist. You have maybe a... Um, forensic um, accountant. Exactly, and a forensic accountant, or you might have a guardian ad litem, or you might have other professionals that sometimes mm -hmm. we use in cases, but usually not until after mediation fails. And you put all these people together at the beginning, and you basically do a series of mediation-like sessions with the hope that all of this input can lead to an eventual settlement. Mm -hmm. The problem with that, uh, that attack, that line of attack, if you will, is that um, it's very expensive. It can be effective, but the same results can be achieved without going into the collaborative process. And they can be achieved through litigation and mediation. Well, isn't it too that like, all parts of divorce, it only takes one of the two people to make it a nightmare, right? So I'm, I'm guessing collaborative law, you need two people who are trying to at least cooperate in some way, right? Which is not very likely, probably. Uh, that can be very true. Uh, the thing that I tell clients is it's like dancing. So mm -hmm. if it messes it up, then it looks terrible and it feels terrible and uh, divorces are the same way. So in collaborative law, not that I'm harshing on the area of law per se, but um, it's, it doesn't require a different attorney. It's the same attorney can do both if they get certified mm -hmm. depending on the county or the state. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. But the problem with that is you're front end loading all of your expenses. And if mm -hmm. one person doesn't do the dance, you've spent an extremely large sum of money with a lot of professionals that you normally wouldn't get until later in the case. And then also the cadence of the litigation is affected and if you do fail in collaborative law, you have to start over again in litigation anyway. So mm -hmm. a lot of people, one school of thought a lot of people adhere to is that why not start the litigation and achieve the same result by just going to mediations where mm -hmm. you don't have every professional you can conceive of in that case. You just have the people you need and then right. get the other people on board later if you fail. Right. Because ultimately, if possible, best case scenario for everyone is you use as little lawyering as possible on both ends, right? That's more money for you as the divorcee instead of for you, no offense. <laughs> but <laughs> true, right? I mean, the best case scenario, if you are amicable with your ex, then you try and do it as best you can. So to throw a ton of money kind of at it at the beginning probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, that's, that's actually really true. And if I can add one more comment, Tiffany, I think that um, 
that ties into what we talked about earlier today, where you're looking for a certain type of attorney because you don't want to find the wrong attorney who literally will churn and burn the file and just go through literally sometimes tens of thousands of dollars almost mm -hmm. doing nothing. And one little tip I can give people is that if the attorney brings up the amount of fees it's going to cost, if they bring it up themselves, especially early in the meeting, that's an indication that maybe that's not the right attorney because they should wait truly until the client brings it up at the end after all the questions are answered. That's one indication that that person might be spending a lot of money and they shouldn't. Right. Okay. Good tip. Okay. So sh should lawyers give free consultations? Cause it seems like some do, some don't, some hate it, some do it for everyone. So what's your stance on that? You know, that's an interesting, uh, interesting concept. And I would say that most really good attorneys do charge some type of a fee. Um, some don't. Uh, truly, if you don't charge a consultation fee, more people, even what I guess attorneys would consider to be like a high-end client, they'll still come to your office because they just have something against anyone who charges a consultation fee. Mm -hmm. A good hybrid for that, which um, I've employed sometimes, is that maybe the most successful, the most maybe the oldest and most experienced attorney in the firm, that person could charge a consultation fee and then maybe have one or two associates that don't charge a fee because some people maybe can't afford four or $500 just to talk to an attorney. Mm -hmm. um, and then even the most experienced attorney, if they charge a fee, they should make exceptions in some cases for people that maybe have a compelling issue uh, where they need help badly. Maybe you make an exception, you don't charge those people or maybe for referrals or something else. Mm -hmm. And I think that really it should be sort of on a hybrid basis with a case by case uh, interpretation of what the client's needs are versus the firm's needs. Okay, that's good. That's good advice. Okay, so I think it, when I think of divorce, I think of War of the Roses, which makes me really old, right? And so like, at the beginning of a divorce, if it's going to go really badly and there's lots of threats going on and people go like, I'll see you in court, I'll see you in trial, right? And it's like kind of throwing gasoline on that fire of, you know, trying to press each other's buttons. But in reality, how many people actually go to trial? That's also a good question. The reality is, believe it or not, very few do. Very few. For example... Uh, out of all the clients I've done in almost 25 years, I would say that about 10 to 15% have actually gone to trial. And I mm -hmm. think in aggregate, it's lower than that. I think that if you look at the numbers, it depends on the county, of course, and maybe mm -hmm. in the big cities, more people do go. But I think that it's lower than that. Uh, the problem is that uh, part of that is skewed because some attorneys just don't have the experience, really, the, the abilities to go to trial. And so they they sell their clients out and they settle early. But I mm. think 10%, maybe 15% that go to trial, that would be indicative of a, of a healthy caseload and, and probably the right advice from the attorney. Okay. So my next question, so this is very, you know, like you obviously know me, you know my story, but so what do you do when, it, when one, one people, one person within the couple literally will not cooperate, whether they won't give you their financial documents, whether they don't show up to hearings, whether they don't respond to the initial 
filing of the divorce petition. Like, this seems to be more and more common that people are just kind of like hiding. <laughs> and so one person is trying to get divorced from them and the other person isn't cooperating. So what can those people do if they're in that situation? So there are some remedies for people like that. Uh, a good attorney will know what those remedies are. Some of the remedies include filing various motions with the court to try to force people to hand over documents, for example. And then usually when you have to do that, if people aren't following the rules, then you can get some type of attorney fee reimbursement for having to engage in unnecessary litigation. If there's someone who's really, really not doing what they're supposed to do, then eventually sometimes the attorney can get uh, their, the other side's case stricken to where you can get a default entered and you can go down and, and now you're just pushing your own issues and you usually get a lot more in that situation. So the typical delay tactics that people do can backfire on them as long mm -hmm. as the attorney's aggressive. The problem is that a lot of attorneys are not aggressive enough to you know, worry about the stigma or embarrassment perhaps of, of feeling like they push too hard, but that's really what you have to do because in a divorce case, if your attorney's afraid to be aggressive, then that's when you definitely need a new attorney. And that can go back to the first issue. If they're not aggressively pursuing every single issue within reason and mm -hmm. within the boundaries of the client's monies that they have available for resources, but if they don't do that, you need to find someone new. And, and there are useful tools in the court system. And, and invariably, at the end, finally, we do get what we need. Okay, so is this true or not true? This is like hearsay. So is it true that if somebody disappears or you can't find them or they don't respond that after a certain amount of time that you can go and get divorced by yourself? Uh, yes, you can do that. Um, I have several cases right now where people are literally hiding and avoiding service of process, which is the step mm -hmm. at the beginning where we take the initial pleadings and we, we have someone who is a registered process server give them the documents, that's what starts the divorce case. And sometimes people hide to delay that. In those situations, in some states, especially in, um, uh, in Florida, where I primarily practice, where I do practice, that's definitely true. We can take other avenues that are set up because obviously some people do this. Now, interestingly, um, I've always found someone uh, sometimes we <laughs> they're yeah. like they can run, but they can't hide, right? That's right. I once found someone actually uh, coincidentally in England, and that took about 18 months to get service on them, but we finally did. And, and just then, to reiterate, that was no one to do with me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But um, there's always a way. There are good, pretty good tools in the court system, but the attorney has to know how to use them. Right. Yeah, because that is frustrating. You can imagine, right, being in that predicament that you literally can't divorce somebody because you can't find them, right? Absolutely. Okay. So what's your tips for navigating divorce in a healthy way? I mean, you must have seen everything in 25 years. So what do you think, if you think about all your clients, what really helps them overall you know, survive it and thrive from it and kind of have a good life afterwards? I think that the very first step in that regard would be to get the right attorney because the attorney, and I tell my clients this, the attorney should literally tell them, leave your problems and leave your stress in my office. And when you leave here, I want you to be confident. Uh, for example, in the lobby, we have chocolates that are stamped with a firm logo. We have pens, we have other things, we have mugs. We give the clients things to make them laugh. We have toys for the kids. You know, we, 
We want to present to them in a way that gives them confidence so that when they leave, they're not so stressed out. Sometimes when people come to the office, they are just an absolute wreck. Um, and anyone watching this show, if they're considering divorce, probably feels some, you know, some part of that already, if, they, if not worse. So I think that it's really important to find the right attorney. And then I think it's also important to try to do things that you anticipate that you're going to be doing after the divorce. For example, if you, if you have hobbies, you haven't done them in years because you're so unhappy, start them now. If you need a mental health expert, the attorney should be the one that notices that and pulls you aside and says, look, you need help. I have some referrals. I have names for you, but you really need to go meet with someone because I can tell that you're very stressed out. And that might be a way of saying nicely that maybe there's even mental health issues. Maybe there's depression. Those mm -hmm. things are fine. That's part of life, but they can, and they can be treated. They can be right. treated so that the, the client feels better and the attorney should help them uh, find a way to get to that point. And the third thing, uh, frankly, if people are comfortable, and not everyone is, um, but if people are comfortable, uh, they can date. In Florida, there's no reason not to date when you're mm -hmm. still married, but people sometimes have, for example, religious concerns, and I certainly respect all of those reasons. So if people don't want to date during the divorce, then they should definitely at least do things with their friends and family to have as many people around them as they can. Yeah, because sitting on your sofa eating ice cream day in, day out, like someone I might know, is a, <laughs> is a very healthy way to deal with it long term. Um, and I think that's true. I think that what you said is really, really important for anyone who's listening and anyone who sees this. I mean, if you are struggling, it's completely normal. And there are a ton of secondary services from coaching, therapy, psychiatry, psychology, support groups, a million other things that besides having a really good lawyer like Dave, you know, you want to be in a situation that you're getting the help you need for your emotional turmoil, which you are going to have. It doesn't matter what kind of divorce you have, right? You're going to feel bad. That's totally true because, you know, this entire industry, the, the things that I do for people, and the sad part about it is that, you know, I might take them from really bad to less bad or mm -hmm. from really bad to even pretty good, but you can mm -hmm. never unbreak their family. You know, you can never fix really the ultimate problem, which is now they're going into a broken family. Most of my clients have children. You're mm -hmm. never going to uh, completely fix all of those issues, but it's all relative and they'll, people learn and there, there's always a better life. Um, if they need a divorce, there's probably a compelling reason for it. And yeah, no, no good marriage ends in divorce. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very, yeah, that's very true. Okay, so you mentioned children. So children is a huge hotspot, right? I mean, you do anything to any of our children, we're all like crazy mama, papa bears. So in divorce, obviously, your emotions are through the roof with anything to do with your children. So we got contacted a lot and it's um, and the most common question we get asked legally about children is um, what do I do if I feel that my ex isn't caring for my children how I think they should, right? So what can you do? I mean, you're not in that other person's house. You have to be like, um, you know, obviously you have to follow the laws and if somebody has you know, 50-50 custody and they're with them. You don't really know what's going on at that house. 
So what can you do if you feel something is really wrong? There's a couple answers to that question. I know that it can be terrifying for people um, to even consider their children being with the other side for even one night um, out of their care under the supervision of someone that maybe they don't trust for various obvious reasons or maybe there's um, indications of abuse by the other parent uh, that aren't provable right away and, and in the absence of some emergency, there's going to be a time period where everyone's extremely tense and uptight because there's no rule book to follow yet until you either settle or until you can go to trial and get your remedies from the court. So um, that's a huge issue that we deal with. Um, it's probably the highest order um, right up there with your own health that you need to survive, you know, your children. And then after that, the other compelling issue we have, of course, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually um, today or some other day, but that's people's money because they have to be financially secure. Mm -hmm. And finances are also related to the children because those two things are, they go hand in hand. Right. Um, so if there's an emergency, the attorney can file something with the court to get in very quickly, sometimes even the same day. And I've done that so many times I can't even count. So there is a strong remedy for people that have an emergency. If not, if it's a long-term problem, if it's a long play, then what we can do is perhaps get someone like a guardian ad litem, which is another professional we haven't talked about yet, but who represents the interest of the children. Mm -hmm. and they can get involved and they can investigate, um, usually with, with a lot of uh, effect in the case, to ascertain the well-being of the kids. Um, aside from a guardian, which is kind of a long play, but can have uh, very significant results in the emergency motion, uh, then the client can actually be trained to do certain things to look for indicators of, of um, abuse, neglect, abandonment, things like that, that can give the attorney the evidence that we need to, to help them and to uh, champion their interest in that regard. Well, and it is a huge, huge, huge deal. So, um how many or what percentage, I guess is a better question, what percentage of people actually end up going back to court or filing something else? So people come to me and they go, oh, I, I need a lawyer because I get divorced and then I'm probably completely done forever even though I have eight kids under 18. <laughs> right. And I know from my own personal experience and obviously talking to thousands of divorcees that that's not really the case, right? So what percentage end up going back to court and needing legal counsel again? It's a, it's a fairly high percentage. Um, so it's, it's high enough that I actually leave my files open for several months, just as a matter of course. I don't even close the files when the case is finished. For mm. example, after the entry of final judgment, I don't close it for months because I know that probably in my caseload, 30 to 40% are gonna have problems just in the first 90 days. Now, long-term, a lot of people actually come back for contempt or enforcement proceedings, and that would be necessary if one of the litigants that finalized their divorce is not following the rules, they're not complying with the provisions in the final judgment or the agreements, if those apply, or the parenting plan, which is a document that sets forth the rights and obligations related to the children. If that happens and someone's not playing by the rules, then we can file a motion and go to court and address those. And that's extremely common. And that happens for years and years. And sadly, the other thing that happens is we get domestic violence that crops up sometimes after the case is over as well. 
Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, of course, you've got people that get remarried. Um, and I'm not mentioning names, but I think I've done six divorces for one individual. Um, and yeah. every time it's worse than before. So people, people have a tendency to, to need my services sometimes for decades. And it's yeah. sad, but every time at least we create hope for them and we help them. That's all you can do. Well, that is all you can do, right? And unfortunately, which is why Dreams Recycled exists, I mean, unfortunately, people don't learn from their mistakes. And, you know, they go from one relationship to another relationship, which is exactly the same as the one they just came out of, only they don't recognize it. And so that's something that we obviously work hard to try and enforce in people that, you know, if it looks too similar, then it probably is, right? That's true. Okay, so... My next question really pertains to my own life, but also many other people's lives. And I think it's important to say that, you know, the average person goes through life. You don't think you're going to end up divorced. It's not something you like plan for, plot for, research what this is going to look like. And then you get to the point that you're getting divorced and you're clueless, right? Even very intelligent people, we are clueless. (laughs) And so I didn't realize, and I'm going to like just confess all my sins right now. I mean, with my own divorce, I never once realized, and granted I had like a horrible, horrible lawyer or practically no lawyer, basically, uh, when I got divorced the first time. I mean, I've only been divorced once, but if you like initially, (laughs) and um, I never once realized that whatever you settle for at the beginning, you kind of are stuck with. There's no like redo, I messed up, now I realize that I shouldn't have done that, I didn't have any advice. And so why is it, besides the fact that you end up in this, you know, like in my situation, but why is it so important that people get an attorney and divorce right the first time? There's a couple different issues related to that. The first one is one of the very, um, very compelling problems that people have if they mess up their first, the first time they do their divorce is that in a lot of states, including Florida, once you have a property distribution, like for example, when you have the, the resolution of the issues related to the marital home or any other assets or liabilities that the parties have, once you have that, the family law court loses jurisdiction to even address that again. So for some issues, right? Because I might have given my house away thinking it was worth a dollar and then later realize it's worth a million dollars because I didn't get any good legal advice the first time. Right. That's true. And that constantly happens. I would say almost weekly someone comes in at least a couple times a month and they show me their final judgment. A lot of times they either didn't have an attorney or they didn't have a good attorney and the language related to real estate if it's not done exactly perfectly um, to the extent that those two words are working together, but if it's not done perfectly, (laughs) then what happens is you can't fix it. You literally cannot fix it. And um, that doesn't necessarily go for child related issues, but the problem with child related issues, for example, people all the time have buyer's remorse on what they do with their children and they do it because they're upset. And then what they, what they can't do after that very easily is change it. You can change it, but it's extremely expensive. People try all the time, and we have great success with it. But the standard for changing 
the outcome of a custody proceeding is much, much higher as far as the threshold of it, much higher than um, it would be in an initial proceeding. So you really need to nail down all the issues at the beginning. Well, and I think that, you know, even though I, I make fun of my own self saying how stupid I was because I messed up, but I think it's human nature. Like when you're going through it, you just want it to be over. And so, you know, you're emotional, you're sad, you're this, you're that, the other, you're not getting good advice, you don't have a good attorney, and you just kind of want it to be over. And then as soon as it's over, you look back and you go, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense, and now I'm in this situation. And so I want to say, especially to women, and I know it's very sexist, but realize what you're signing in your marriage settlement agreement, right? realize you know the alimony figure the whatever the asset figure the child support figure it's all impossible well, not impossible but very very difficult to change very difficult to redo and it can affect you for a lifetime right moving forward you might go okay I'm fine um, you know I have X amount of money for three years what are you going to do after three years if all you can do is get a minimum wage job or a low wage job and you have all these children? And so my advice, woman to woman, would be <laughs> make sure you do find a lawyer uh, and even a financial advisor as well and make sure that the financial decisions you're making, because even if it costs you more, more than long term, you're going to be much better off, right? That's definitely true. I think that the initial proceeding and the, and the determination of the party's rights and obligations for every single issue is just paramount that you get the outcome that you want. And if it's not exactly what you want, that it's at least the best outcome that you could possibly get. Because if you don't do that, then um, the repercussions, it literally could be that you can't fix it. Now, sometimes you can, there's always hope, mm -hmm. but it's never as easy the second time. So that's just well, how the law is set up. You know, as you said, it's more expensive the second time and it's stressful, right? It's stressful to have to go through it all again. I mean, I have, you know, I have like, it's stressful to do it over and over again. Very stressful. So, okay. So what can you tell us some legally secrets? So what is it about being a divorce lawyer or the legal divorce system that nobody tells you and they probably should? Well, uh, a couple things. Number one, uh, no one tells you that truly, and, and forgive me for saying this, there are a lot of really mediocre and even bad attorneys. Um, it's, it's incredible to me uh, the lack of knowledge about jurisprudence that we have. Um, I think this is probably endemic. It's a systemic problem. There's a lot of attorneys that are not properly trained to deal with important issues like children and money. And some cases will have, you're dealing with millions of dollars of money or complicated businesses have to be divided. It's not always just custody in the home. Sometimes people have significant wealth. Whether they do or not, it's always important. So I think that one secret that's kind of kept for obvious reasons uh, is that there's not that many great attorneys. There's really not. Um, I would, if I was a prospective divorce client, I would put most of my time at the beginning on finding the right attorney. Because if you do, then they're supposed to know what to do after that. And if they do, then you'll be well taken care of. Um, so that's one secret. Now, it's no secret that there's a lot of delays, but I think people don't realize how bad the delays are. 
Right. So in some of the counties, in some of the counties where I practice, um, it's nine or 10 months before you can get a trial date from the date that you asked for it, sometimes a year. Mm -hmm. One years ago, that was probably six weeks, two months. So what's the average? I can tell you for the whole country, the average divorce is 22 months. So what do you see in Florida? Do you think that's about right? I think that's about right if the case goes to trial. Mm -hmm. If a case settles at mediation, I would say that it can be finalized maybe within three to six months. Um, If it goes to trial, it's going to be six months to two years. And the long cases that go two or three years, those are the ones that pull up the average for all the cases. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think at the time too, you think it's never going to end and it's taking forever, but if it takes a little bit longer and you get a better result, then it's okay. Right. That's true. It's worth it if you do. Yeah. Okay. So I have to give the disclaimer. Nothing we've said today constitutes legal advice. This is a conversation, obviously, Dave and I had to help you kind of navigate how to find a lawyer and the information within the family law system. So I want to say thank you very much to Dave. You have been great, as I knew you would be. And we look forward to having you come back as one of our experts. So if you have any questions for Dave that you'd like him to answer moving forward, we'll have him back and hopefully you'll be willing to answer some more questions for us. It'd be my pleasure. It's an honor to be on the show and I help, um, help clients every day and I'm glad to help anyone that you know through your website or otherwise and I'm always here to help. Awesome. So where can they find you? Well, I practice primarily in Orlando and the surrounding counties. We have two offices. One is in Osceola County. The main office is in Orange County in Orlando. And the website that we primarily use is aggressivefamilylaw.com. And um, if you look up my name, David Roberts, or that website, then I'll come right up and you can see all about us and um, give us a call if you need help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You've been great. And I'm sure that's helped a lot of people because honestly, we just really don't know where to start. And I think that's probably applies to an awful lot of people within our community. We just need to know where to start and what to look for when we're hiring someone because it's a decision that really can affect the rest of your life. So it has to be taken seriously. It does. I have a lot of passion for it. And that's another thing when when people are looking for an attorney, you need to find someone who really loves their job and that'll be apparent in the first few minutes. Um, you can help a lot of people. It's stressful. I'm not going to lie. Um, you don't always get a, a, the appreciation that maybe you deserve, but um, I think that just a, a controlled approach, you know, use common sense when people are trying to figure out how to do this, talk to the right attorney um, and get the answers, not necessarily from the internet. Some of the answers, it's just like medicine, like I said before, but if you can find the right resources, for example, we talked about friends of accountants, We've talked about financial advisors. You mentioned um, there's people to help you and your children. There's a ton of resources, but you have to find them. So if you can find the resources and just, you know, tell people to calm down because truly there's, it's a methodology. Truly there is hope. They can be much better off than they are today. They just have to calm down and, and let the system play out with the help of the right people. Well, that's great advice to end with. So thank you very much. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you soon, Dave. Good. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye.